0: Hey, everyone. This is Dan Bruden, and this is episode 001 of the PDX Executive Podcast. Really excited to uh, have this inaugural episode of the podcast. And The reason why we started this show was really to get a glimpse into the executive community here in Portland, dig a little deeper with uh, executives, you know, see their path to how they got to where they are, um, and a lot about Portland, too, just you know, their thoughts on the business climate in Portland right now uh, and where it's going as well. So really excited to have Aaron Kraljev, who's the vice president of employment branding and candidate advocacy for Wells Fargo, on the inaugural show. And Aaron's got a really uh, interesting role. Uh, He works across the Wells Fargo enterprise but uh, lives here in Portland. So, had a great conversation with Aaron. I learned a lot about his role there at Wells Fargo. Um, And again, just thoughts on Portland in general. So, hope you enjoy the podcast and the conversation with Aaron. So Aaron, super excited to have you here. Um, a lot to cover. You know, I'm really interested in your job because I've never heard this title before. I'm going to read it. So it's Vice President of Employer Brand and Candidate Advocacy for Wells Fargo. Yes. And you work for Wells Fargo Corporate, right? Yes. Not for a branch local in Portland. Yes, sir. I want to learn more about that. And how if you created that job for yourself, or you know, if there's other folks like you in Wells Fargo that do the same thing? Um, want to dig into that? I uh, want to about your background if you're, you know, if you're here and you grew up in Portland or Oregon, you know, where you went to school. And I always like to ask just kind of your sense of Portland and the business climate. You know, Portland's changed a lot a uh, lot of great talents moving here from other cities. And since you're in that space, I just want to get your thoughts on that a little bit. So kind of just want to dig into this job. So how did you create this job? Like, tell me a little about your responsibilities at Wells Fargo. And I know we were just talking before this, you're kind of a, a team of one here in Portland. So how you kind of interact with the larger org and just, uh, uh, you know, how, how that came about.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I can't believe it. I've been bank 19 years, uh, which is, I don't know where the time went, but uh, started out in the branch network, uh, actually came from a sporting goods background, okay. as fate would have it, and so I was a marketing director for a, sporting, a local sporting goods company, uh, but wanted to learn a new. Uh, professions, so got into banking, and uh, I was in the branches for three or four years, and then transitioned into a marketing role with the organization. Um, a couple of different uh, jobs, repricing, compliance, that kind of thing, just kind of a way to kind of earn your your stripes a bit in the marketing organization. And then I took over as the student segment manager for a Wells Fargo, that was an enterprise job. So you're basically creating the uh, kind of student activation strategy for the entire company is easy, the most glamorous job I'll probably ever have. <laughs> um, but you know, to get back to your question, did I did I create this? Um, I, I didn't. But uh, the job was created with a marketing person's uh, in mind. And uh, so I got the shoulder tap and asked uh, about eight years ago, if I want to build out a program And really at that time, uh, the job landscape was a lot different. We were talking about that, uh, and it's uh, the job has evolved along with uh, you know what I do as well as the marketplace has. I mean, social plays a huge part in it. Candidate advocacy plays a huge part in it. Uh, so it's been an interesting evolution as time has gone on.
0: So you sit in the HR department, right? We have a marketing function. Yeah. So do you re- you report up through the HR?
1: I do. Yeah, I have a dotted line to marketing. We also okay. work very closely with them. We want to make sure our campaigns and our our copy and, and our tone is very well aligned with the corporate brand. And so we have a dotted line to them. But we sit in the recruiting world, which is in corporate HR, which is uh, it's an interesting thing. And I think if you talk to 100 employers, it's probably a 50-50 split. Half half the time, they'll have them sit in marketing and half the time, they'll have them sit in HR.
0: Interesting. Okay. So I think that's pretty forward thinking of a Wells Fargo to have... Have this job, right? Because you're really focused on uh, Canada's experience through the whole process. Yeah. Right. So, what's your kind of day to day? Look like I mean you're designing kind of the whole experience or
1: yeah it's 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 crazy uh, so we support the entire enterprise and we also uh, work with our international teams uh, pretty closely so the days can start pretty early they can go pretty late um, you know uh, we've got a variety of different functions that we kind of hold the fort down on uh, traditional marketing and advertising so that's super comfortable for me uh, well aligned with my background I don't get to do as much as I used to uh, and then we've got uh, the social and digital so we have um, we have folks that are monitoring social uh, all day long. We're responding to queries, um, you know, curating content, those sorts of things. And then we have uh, communications partners. So we're constantly communicating both internally and externally. And then lastly, that, that part you mentioned, candidate experience. So we're obsessively going over the candidate experience to see where the kinks and the hose are, so to speak. Uh, we survey a lot, trying to find what the kind of the largest pain points are. And we try to iron those out as quickly as possible.
0: Got it. And that, I think that candidate experience is so huge right now. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and it's like, I feel like in the, just the past year, so many people are just posting about, uh, candidly, their shitty experience. Yeah, you yeah. know they're having applying and like we were talking earlier too is like you know the economy is great, we're near f- full employment, but um, you know it's still it's probably more important now than ever because it's the the competition. So you know for folks that don't have a role like you have, and there's a lot of big companies that don't. Uh, you know what are some of the key things you you would kind of put in their mind to, to uh, that's important for them to track and do?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean. One is you really need to control your own voice out there, uh, whether it be in social or in your marketing and advertising. If you work for a, um, a decentralized organization or an organization that's regionally managed, and if you have different voices or your different parts of your business are telling different stories about your organizations, it really creates a very disjointed experience for the candidate because they don't know that manufacturing is separate from tech, right. and separate from you know corporate functions. They don't care. They, they <laughs> don't. They <laughs> yeah. just want a job, and, right. and so and Wells falls in that category. I mean, in a lot of ways, we're very decentralized as organizations so to wrap your arms around what everybody's doing and making sure everybody's rowing in the same direction is huge but then you put yourself in the can to choose you know all right well what's this look like how many clicks is it going to take until i can apply how long is it going to take do i have 45 minutes to invest in applying for a job the short answer is no nobody does so what can we do to you know ease their pain because applying for a job while it isn't necessarily fun it shouldn't be hard and so it's uh we're, we're really kind of Getting to the the point of making it as easy as possible.
0: Got it. Okay. So I know you you work. We were talking, you work from home a, a lot too, and you know that's kind of a, it's interesting for a big company like Wells Fargo to embrace that, and especially in a town like Portland, I feel that's becoming more the norm. Yeah. So how how's Wells' kind of policy on that? And when now that people are you know applying for jobs at Wells, is that a question that comes a lot up a lot or? You yeah, know, tell it's, me about the kind of it's a good there.
1: question. And you kind of alluded to it earlier, which I, of course, didn't answer. But, um, you know, 19 years ago when I was trying to find it was going to be when I grew up, uh, Portland was a very different place. Yeah. It wasn't the kind of place you said, hey, I can start and actually curate and manage my n- entire career here. I was, you know, my wife and I spent a lot of time thinking about, well, where are we going to end up? We to end up in the Bay Area, San Diego, Chicago. What's that going to look like? I uh, had offers over the years to, to relocate. But as time has gone on and there's been more acceptance of working remote, there's been less necessity you'd have to pick up and leave. And I'm a born and raised Oregonian, lived my whole life in Portland. And, um, it, you know, every day that goes by, there's fewer and fewer reasons to have to leave. Uh, I've got just as much reach from my desk to southeast Portland as I do if I work from downtown or if I worked in the Bay Area as well. Not to say that I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, You you know, you obviously want to make sure you're doing what's best for you and your family and your career. But the job market in Portland is so different now that it's become um, much much more metropolitan. And and it's not just sporting goods or any certain kind of job that's here. I mean, you really can find a job in any field that you like and stay in Portland and get all the benefits from living here that we all enjoy.
0: Yeah, and I was just reading something um, this morning top 10 cities of people, you know, college grads moving to, or, you know, Portland's on that list, top five with Austin. And so you're creating this influx of talent, but uh, I, again, job market's good, but there, I feel Portland is still a small city. So yeah. folks are still, um, there's, there's good jobs here, but there's almost an influx of talent, you know, not enough um, supply. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Is it, am I right? Or is that
1: yeah depending on the city and, yeah. and there's different niches as well i mean we run into this as an organization like if we need tech talent in charlotte which you know that can be a struggle versus if you're looking in the bay area um you've got lots of supply but way too much demand i think yeah. in portland there's some of that as well depending on the let's we'll say marketing for example i think there is a large influx of very creative minded people yeah. who would do well in a marketing position there's just not a lot of jobs Yeah. and uh, if you were to go to say austin or somewhere else that that dynamic might be flipped on its head. And so if you're a company and you're looking to just take the location out of the equation, but you really want the best people for the job, it really would behoove them to kind of open their minds to flexible work, whether that's you know working 100% remote or partially remote or what have you. You asked earlier, Wells Fargo's very open mind about that. I've got a team of five, including myself. None of us sit in the same office. None of us sit on the same coast. Yeah. Uh, we're all in different time zones, but we all find a way to get our work done. And uh, I think at the end of the day, that's all that matters.
0: Interesting. So, I want to keep on this theme of Portland because you grew up here. I've been here about 10 years. I grew up in the southern part of the state in Grand Spass. And just in the, the past 10 years, like, you know, I got it when I graduated from undergrad, I, I moved straight here. Uh, I don't know if I would now because of just what you're saying. So, what, you know, how, how has it changed? Where do you think Portland's going to go as far as growth uh, of the business?
1: Yeah, it's a really, really good question. If I had to kind of read the tea leaves yeah. and see what I think is going to happen, I mean, I don't know. What do I know? Fifteen years ago, I never would have saw where we're at today. Yeah. Uh, but I do think uh, from a from a urban planning standpoint, right? We're very confined in, in where large organizations can come here and um, you know build out large workforces to to do their work. I think in some ways, Portland does fit a nice niche in that we're not as expensive as the Bay Area, uh, a little more palatable than say Seattle. So we're kind of um, kind of in that sweet spot in the middle. That said, uh, I, I don't see the influx of new companies building out headquarters here yeah. that uh, I see in other places such as Austin, such as, you know, outer Bay area, Southern California, and some of the outer reaches out there. Um, I, I would like to think for us as a, a community to take a step forward. We, we need to market ourselves. Uh, you know, you look at top 10 places to live, Portland's always ranked up there, but I don't think, um, from a from an outreach perspective we do a good enough job of telling our own story uh, and maybe that's the job of a select group of employers to get together and say all right you know regardless of who comes to work where, I think we need to brand ourselves as a very employee or team member friendly place to live, great place to raise your family, uh, very affordable in comparison to some other places. And maybe you you kind of campaign to job seekers uh, to let them know that Portland is an option and the companies will follow.
0: Right. Interesting. Well, I'm curious to see kind of where it goes. And, you know, back to you know developing talent, um, you're going to be teaching a class of this CMO Academy thing um, we're doing with Portland State, and um, it's a quick kind of boot camp things. Uh, I, I'm sure Wells Fargo has its own kind of internal leadership programs or development programs. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about that at Wells Fargo and how important those you know, things are and how they kind of groom employees? Because I feel like you know that's a piece that's missing a lot. It gets falls through the cracks. You get hired, you get hired on, and the, you know they fill that spot, but you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for growth, so... What do you guys do at wells that
1: yeah it's it's a good question. I think it's something that uh, like we mentioned the job markets changed, right uh, now everybody's so hard up for really good talent well the 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 best way to manage that is to not lose people in the first place. keep the ones you have so you have to find somebody else and so I, I think that's something wells as an organization employers in general, especially large employers realize the the cost of losing somebody, especially somebody tenured. I think about over the last nineteen years all the different training opportunities I've had we've had offsite training We've had these really immersive... Um, you know, week-long workshops of becoming a better manager, a better leader. I got an email yesterday. There's a diversity and inclusion course that um, they actually travel from city to city, and, and I'll be attending that in Portland. So um, I think Wells Fargo, like many larger organizations, does a really good job of giving you a very strong base of knowledge to make you the best leader, the best uh, team member possible. Um, but I think where any organization could really do a better job is is really understand who they have and. Uh, Help with internal mobility a little easier. Uh, It's easier to move somebody or groom somebody you already have versus having to start from scratch with somebody else. And I think we're talking about location based challenges. Yeah. Uh, Being a little more open to say, hey, you know, we've got this opening in Southern California. We could probably fill it with somebody in. Missouri, mm-hmm. and you know if you can get over the fact you're a time zone or two away, it, it may open up. And uh, I see this all the time at Wells. So you know, we we still can get hung up on locations, and if you would just be a little more open, the talent's right there. They're just don't have to be sitting in the same
0: office. Yeah. So you've been there. You said nineteen years.
1: Nineteen years. Oh It'll be my Twenty gosh. in August. <laughs>
0: That's crazy. And so, what's the average? Do you have the data point? And what's the average? kind of tenure at Wells Fargo?
1: It varies wildly by position. Sure. Uh, you know, large organization, we have a lot of customer-facing positions, a lot of customer service positions. The, the tenure on that can be one, two, three years. Yeah. It's a great college job, I think, where as an organization we have a huge opportunity is helping those people understand that you know we'll work with you. I mean, I started out in a Safeway branch you know, of three people and 19 years later, I get to do what I do, which is, it's a huge blessing. And I think if people can see that career progression and if we can help tell that story, that's huge. When I'm on phone conversations with people that are in the business or in the enterprise and people start sharing the, how long you've been here, 20 years is not that big of a deal. Really? People that have been there 25, 30, 35, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that way. And, you know, the company's got great benefits and, uh, you know, they really do a good job of making their people feel wanted and included. And so I think people stay for that.
0: Interesting. I mean, I've never been in a job longer than two and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, you know, the other side of it. And I think a lot of, you know, maybe younger folks, uh, you know, they they that two three year itch comes up a lot, and that's been going on for a long time. So, yeah. um, you know, the economy is changing. Uh, so uh, that's that's great to hear. When I hear a marketer, especially have been somewhere nineteen years, that's unheard of and a lot. So, and, and, and
1: you know, when you're when you're dealing with millennials or, or Gen. Z? Is that the younger generation than that? Uh, uh, That's our challenge, rather. We have to help them understand the destination and where they want to go. And, um, you know, you can have, it's quite possible with a company the size of Wells Fargo to have three or four separate careers in the whole time you're there. Uh, You know, I have. I've gone from, you know, branches to marketing compliance to marketing director. And and so I think, um, and I've got, peers and friends who have done the same. Like none of their jobs, if you look at them, they don't make any sense that the one person's done all these jobs, but it does kind of keep it fresh.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So for you just, you know, personally, um, you know, your development there, what's kind of the path, uh, what's kind of the next thing you're looking at there? And, you know, I you've been in this role eight years. You said, Uh, Do you want to kind of stay in that? Or it sounds like, you know, Wells is good about opportunities and things. So do you have an eye on another part of marketing you, you would like to do or...
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I ask myself occasionally. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you spend so much time head down in the yeah. work that you yeah. kind of look up and you're like, it's been eight years. It's yeah. probably time to do something different. And so, um, you, you know, employer brand management is a very, very unique thing. There's there's people that maybe I partner with in the business, but there's nobody that that manages all this. And so I've probably taken this as far as I can go. So I think the challenge, next challenge then becomes like, you know, what do I want to do for my next eight or nine years uh, with the organization? At some point I'll figure it out or I'll just wait for the ever elusive sh- tap on the shoulder. Older, which is always nice as well, yeah. uh, and and the bank the bank is good about you know kind of identifying talents and um, especially for somebody who's had a background in starting new programs. Uh, I guess at some point you like I don't know, I want to start something from scratch, but it does kind of give you a little longer tenure in your new position, and and there is kind of that feeling of accomplishment of seeing something from its infancy all the way through. Yeah, to
0: that's 10. pretty unique, especially in a, a, a big. Yeah, kind of enterprise yeah, setting like that, so you feel kind of it's like your baby a little bit,
1: a little bit. Yeah, it, I, I won't lie. I mean, the last the last job I had, I, I started as well, and it, it's tough to turn over, but I think it's also exciting to see what somebody else can do with it.
0: Yeah, so I want to take a turn a little bit and talk a little bit about side gigs. I know you have one. Um, totally, it's you know unrelated to what you do at Wells Fargo, but I think it is important because um, you know just kind of the age we we live in where. I feel I'm seeing a lot of people want to be... They don't want to be a, a professional athlete or a, a musician. They want to be entrepreneur. Yeah. And so if you're working at a big corporate environment and people still have that aspirations, how to kind of balance that. So I want to tell me about your kind of side gig and tell me what are you, your thoughts on that. If, if there's other... Does Wells obviously is okay with that, if it's unrelated, and do you foster that? Or you know, the famous Google thing is... They have 20% of their time to work on something that's, you know, unrelated to their day job that can potentially benefit uh, Google, uh, but also whatever they want to do. So, yeah, um, yeah, what's your your side gig here?
1: Everybody's got a side hustle, right? (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting. You mentioned, like... i talked to my friends and once you get to your mid to late 40s you start thinking about well, what do you want to do when you retire you know say if you retire at 59 or 60 you know what are you gonna to do to keep yourself busy because we're all living longer thank god uh so about seven years ago after a particularly terrible experience at a car dealership i was complaining to my wife about how much we had gotten taken for a ride and she said kind of flip um why don't you just become a dealer? Um, I My first job was detailing cars. I did that for four summers in high school. Um, you can't get the bug. I've owned, God knows, just about everything with four wheels and everything in between. And so I, I went and did it. And uh, she didn't think I would. So uh, seven years ago, I started a company called Euro Automotion. Uh, we're basically a small auto broker. We sell 50 to 75 cars a year. And, and really, at the end of the day, it's a vehicle for me to be able to buy and drive whatever I want <laughs> without having to deal with depreciation right. or that kind of thing. I, I mean, if we're being honest. Yeah,
0: it's not a tax scam.
1: Anything, no, right? it's not a tax It's basically like Aaron wants to drive X, and, yeah. and then he drove it, and now he's ready to move on. Because uh, it's way more affordable to do it that way than it is to actually um, pay retail and right. then try to, to make a move. That said... Uh, I you know over the last seven years we've sold four or five hundred cars. Uh, I've met some of the most amazing people. I work from home as we've talked about, and I don't get a lot of face to face interaction made some great connections and uh, I enjoy the process of taking something and making it as perfect as possible and then giving it a loving home. And then that person coming back to me three years later, looking for the same thing all over again. And so, um, you know, evenings, weekends, uh, it allows me to get my hands dirty. I don't get my hands dirty a lot in my day job. Mm -hmm. And so if I do, I'm not doing it right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful side gig. It's probably something that I could foster into a second career once I retire. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a lot of work. It could be backbreaking. Yeah. I'm having one of those weeks. It's been a backbreaking <laughs> week, uh, but that's okay. It, it kind of comes and goes in bunches, but it's nothing else. It's a, it's a great top conversation at cocktail parties.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important, especially, you know, someone like you, your the VP level and above. It's like, and it's, you have a lot on your plate. So yeah. something to balance out maybe the stress or just, um, again, uh, just an outlet. It yeah. sounds like a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's pretty it's unique. healthier
1: than than some other options, yeah, you know, if you've had a bad day at the office and, and i've I've had dinner, I can go out and and buff and wax a car and and shampoo the interior for two hours and come <laughs> back and I'm not even sure what I was mad about in the first place right uh, it, it's it can be cleansing four ways at once, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so
0: okay, interesting and um community wise uh I, wells obviously the sponsors a lot of community initiatives and uh you know it's just sponsorships in general is that something you're kind of uh, involved in and advocating for do you have a, a budget for for these whether it's sponsoring a diversity conference or things what's your kind of you guys' strategy
1: with that so yeah so prior up to about two years ago i managed diversity recruiting strategy and so we actually had a team that that managed both ethnic, ethnic diversity Uh, disabled job seekers and veterans, uh, I found that work incredibly rewarding. So rewarding that they hired somebody else to do it uh, full-time because it it really couldn't... It was so important. It couldn't be just part of what somebody did. And so I partner very closely with this individual. We support all their marketing, advertising, copy, and communications needs, uh, all their creative, um, which could be, you know these 30-foot banners and and all these things we do at these shows. And so I think from an employer standpoint, people need to understand, especially when we're talking uh, about people who are very socially active, uh, just where we stand in regards to inclusion and how we want to support the communities we do business in. Uh, Because I'm an enterprise resource, I need to make sure we're supporting all the communities we do business in. Uh, And so that's something we work on very, very closely. Locally, I probably don't get to do as much as possible because it's odd to – working from Southeast Portland to look through my computer with this lens to, th- you know, the world right. really. And, uh, so I, ne- I need to take that time. I've got a 12 year old daughter, uh, who I adore, who's very involved. And so I do a lot of, uh, as much as I can, uh, local support of the things that she's involved in, mm-hmm. the things she's passionate about, uh, which would include anything from local swimming to, uh, animal advocacy and everything in between.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like you said, so Portland it's just such a great place to live yeah. and it's hard once you get here and there might be more opportunities in San Francisco or, but it's just, it's a great place. So, um, the whole kind of theme of, of this. And we, as we do these, more of these interviews is I'm just, we'll see how it changes. Yeah. Right. And just yeah. for the executive community in, in general. So, um, well, you know, Aaron, I uh, really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, this is your episode one of this executive podcast in portland so i think it's a good way for us just to get to know more of the executives hopefully uh it would be a good series just to learn about how people got to their roles and just super excited you were able to do it so thanks so much
1: thank you for having me